Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode two of Top 8 Magic, the decks to beat. I'm Brian David Marshall, and I am joined, as always, two weeks being always, by <laughs> Gabe Colton Barnes, and we're going to talk about Standard. Gabe, how was your Standard weekend last weekend? I was a really great demonstration of the decks to beat. Um, <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got beat a lot. <laughs> I, uh, I did not have a great Grand Prix. I, I did end up playing Humans, and um, you know, I talked about how I didn't think there would be a ton of white-black control. Um, I played against white, black control three rounds and I played against green, black one round. All of those are languished decks and all of them beat me. <laughs> um, matches were closer than you might expect. You know, I had some really close calls, but I ended up, uh, not making it to day two. So, um, humans, maybe not the best choice. Yeah. Languish. I, I, I really thought languish in the face of all the delirium decks would actually be, uh, a little lower in popularity this past week than it was yeah, because absolutely. it does, it does seem like it has some pretty bad matchups uh, against the, you know, the bigger, tougher decks, you know, with, you know, with spiders and, and Eldrazi and all that kind of stuff. But it, it was still, it was still very popular and Bant was still very popular. So that's probably a big part of why. Yeah, totally. And that was the other thing, you know, matchup wise, I played Bant once and it was pretty easy to a win for me. I think uh, humans, you know, the really low to the ground humans is quite good against these Bant decks that are trying to adapt to a format with larger, more powerful spells. Um, but, you know, that's not a great place to be where, you know, you can't beat some decks and you can beat others. Um, so even if I'd gotten good matchups for a while, I'm still going to run into those language decks. Yeah, you want to have some plan for them, but I can hear the trains going by in the background. That's nice. Oh, yeah. Like, that's kind of nice. That's a nice, that's a nice, you know, non-street sound effect. <laughs> magic podcast by the way it's a very different top eight magic podcast yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, instead, of con instead of construction or people staggering out of train stations and accosting us you know sometimes <laughs> sometimes happens um we, we uh i saw you know there's a kid who won a trial on friday in portland he was playing uh a white deck it was mono white but he 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 had actually cut out a few of the one drops and went like slightly bigger. He was playing like Thalia, Heretic, Cathar. Uh, he had main deck Gideon. Um, you know, his deck was just like, you know, a, a little bit more like mono white mid range. Um, yeah, I like that idea. I was actually staring at Thalia before uh, we started podcasting, thinking this card really needs more attention <laughs> in standard. Um, I think it could be interesting even with like a distended mind bender, you know, like. You play this card, you slow your opponent down from casting the spells they want to cast, and then you take the spells out of their hand, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, and we, and we, you know, we're going to talk about Distended Mindbender today because it was, you know, it's got a trophy on its shelf. Uh, yeah, no surprise there, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, uh, yeah, that's an interesting idea. I think that that might be the direction that the mono-white deck has to go against these bigger decks that are playing Liliana, right? You play slightly more powerful spells... And um, Gideon is obviously really good in the format right now. Um, it's been, you know, the control decks are switching over to Gideon instead of Languish. So, <laughs> so, 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 do you do you feel like the format is like at this this point right now, like Languish decks and Bant decks? Is that really where we're where we're settling? Uh, those are a huge part of the format. Yeah, I think that you know Languish is in a ton of decks because I think the two really powerful colors right now are black with Liliana and Languish buying you time to get to, um, you know, Castriel Drazi and green, which is obviously just like in every good deck. 
collected company decks are base green and all the Eldrazi decks are base green too because it allows you to fill your graveyard, it gives you you know, mid-range creatures, it gives you Ishkana, it gives you a bunch of tutor effects, tutor from your graveyard or tutor from your library. So, um, yeah. It seems like if you're not playing green, you have to have a really good reason not to be playing green. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's, hard to, uh, it's hard to imagine. One of the decks that's not playing green was Chris Patello's deck, Grixis Cat Path, which <laughs> I, I know is a name. You've, you've actually filed an official uh, protest with the league office over this deck name. Yeah, this is a ridiculous name. You know, it's very clear that this, <laughs> this deck should be called Free Kittens, and it should have an exclamation point at the end of the deck name. <laughs> I, I mean, you're not going to get much argument from me. I may have said the words "free kittens" on the stream several times <laughs> while we were watching Chris play. It's just a perfect name for it. Uh, and uh, how it, do you spell "perfect"? Is that P-U-R-R-F-E-C-T? Was that what you said there? Two R's in perfect. Absolutely, <laughs> perfect name. Um, yeah, cat packed. Terrible name for free kittens. Free kittens is an awesome deck, right? It's a. It, <laughs> It, it's, an, it's a send-up of, like, Illusions Donate, clearly. Like, it takes a lot of people back to those times. It also allows you to play with Demonic Pact, which is such a cool card. And instead of building your deck in that way where, like, you're trying to fight against its disadvantage, you're taking advantage of its disadvantage, which is awesome. Um, and, you know, Chris, who... What was his name? Is Chris... What was his last Chris name? Chris Patello. Chris Patello. He um, apparently played a ton with this deck online before playing the tournament. And I knew a couple other folks who tried to play similar Kittens decks, um, but didn't do quite as well, who hadn't prepared as much. I actually think the deck is probably a lot better than people think it is, as long as you get enough reps in with it, right? You isn't, were that, watching. isn't that always true with combo decks? I mean, wasn't that true with Necro, the original Donate decks, right? Uh, like yeah. some pe people played them, had some success with them, but they were dismissed as a joke. Then people iterated on them, prepared with them, and then suddenly, you know, the deck was very dominant. Right, and I guess that makes sense. You know, you have a, a combo, like a two-card combo like that, you have to assemble them. So you have to draw the line of, are you assembling them by fighting your opponent off until you, and defending until you get those? Or are you assembling those pieces by using, you know, a search or card draw? You know, where's the balance with the, with, in order to get that super powerful combo effect? Um, and this so, deck seems similar. Right. Let's, let's talk about the combo for anyone who hasn't watched a Magic stream this week. Because, <laughs> because this is the deck that everyone is, you know, streaming with and playing with and is generally excited about right now in Standard. Yeah. Uh, the, the combo is getting a Demonic Pact into play, getting close to, as close to using up all the beneficial abilities of Demonic Pact. So you, you know, you have a demonic pack deal for damage target creature or player and gain four life. You uh, make, you know, an opponent discard two cards, you draw two cards. And then ideally on one of those three turns, you donate with harmless offering. And there's only two copies of a harmless offering in the deck. Mm -hmm. uh, you donate it to your opponent and make them choose the fourth option you lose the game <laughs> right yeah um so it's it's pretty cool and i think everybody thinks about it as i'll use all the good modes and then i'll give it to my opponent and you know um certainly one of the subtleties of learning to play the deck is learning that you can donate it early you can offer it to your opponent before, while there's still some good modes on it um which is kind of cool um and it's something you have to do in an environment with emrakul where your opponent yeah. can 
control your turn and make whichever choice they don't want you to, or you don't want yourself to make. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, I, I actually interviewed Chris Patello and he said that what you really want to do against the Emrakul player, because you have a lot of, you know, your, your ways to deal with demonic pact are not just donating it. Right. Sometimes you, you will disperse it or Selimgar's command it. Mm-hmm. Um, so what he found is what you want to do is sometimes you'll, you'll have the demonic pact out. You'll have drawn two cards. There's maybe two abilities left on the card and you want a harmless offering it before your opponent plays Emrakul and then forces you to lose the game. So you want them to have the ability target opponent discards two cards left when you donate it because then they have to choose that. I mean, they're not going to choose to lose the game. They're going to choose that. And then when they target you, you discard your, yeah, you discard your, your disperse and your Solemn Guards command. And yep. then they can't force you on their <laughs> Emrakul <laughs> turn to bounce their, the, your pack back to your hand or something on the turn that right. they're contr- Yeah, it gets very confusing. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah you, you don't want to accidentally be forced to rescue them using the cards you had in your deck to rescue yourself, right? Right. Yeah. So, so I thought that was, I thought that was like, you know, that was kind of one of those real mind-blowing moments. I hadn't thought about that at all. But, you know, this is clearly, Chris is clearly someone who played through the deck a ton and really put a lot of thought into it. And that, to me, was one of the really nice, you know, like, a, a, a way within to shore up a matchup that seems bad. Yep. With, you know, like, really some tactics. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, I think the the thing about this deck is that it's really good at picking on these decks that it seems like it would be bad against Emrakul because of the way the pact works, but he's solved that problem. And actually this is where the deck shines is decks that are kind of dirtling around and taking their time to win the game because, you know, it's really hard to defend against this. Counterspells aren't a big thing right now, you know, <laughs> and right. you, you have your own counterspells and discard. And so you play the pact. It, it gives you some progress. It helps you stay in the game by gaining you some life and drawing you into some other answers, and then you wait around for a couple turns and donate it. But if a deck is really good at attacking you and winning the game quickly, these decks struggle, because even if you get your combo going, it takes a couple turns for it to win. <laughs> so Right. Um, but but at the same time, the deck does run... You know, if you're playing against a band deck, this deck has three Radiant Flames and three Languish. Right. You know, plus the ability... You know, plus, you know, a little... You know, some spot removal here and there, a Clash of Wills... And the ability to dark petition for, you know, the right card at the right time. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So that's an, another interesting point. The dark petition in there to give you sort of more harmless offerings while still having the harmless offering be in your deck without being too harmful by drawing a bunch of cards that really do nothing. <laughs> there, right. There are very few more do-nothing cards than this spell gives your <laughs> opponent a resource, right? <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, there, is, there are literally no other cards that you want to give to your opponent. Right, yeah, exactly, which is not uh, unusual. Uh, the thing that surprised me about this deck also, I thought that was a really nice thing that Chris had done. I don't know if your buddy had it in his version of the deck as well, but uh, a resilience to Bant Company. because So you know, we're going to talk a little bit more about sort of the Bant Company, Blue-Red Fever's Vision matchup, and sort of how you know Fever's Vision is kind of keeping Dramoka's command you know, on in heavy rotation. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but this deck's really resilient to Dramoka's Command, despite the fact that it pivots around an enchantment. Right. Because it uses two of the two different oaths 
to um, you know to to do two jobs: one to protect itself with Oath of Chandra to just kill a creature, and the other right Oath of Jace, which helps you dig to the cards you need and maybe discard a useless, harmless offering. Right. Yeah, so I mean, I thought that was pretty sweet. And actually, I saw multiple positions against like bat decks where Chris just was like, "I don't really care if you have Dramokus. <laughs> I will happily sacrifice my Oath of Chandra that's already killed your Duskwatch recruiter on turn two. Right, exactly. Um, although interestingly, I, I believe Dramokus Command says target player. So um, this is one of those things where if people figure out how the deck works it is. It's target player sacrifices an enchantment. So, you know, if you're a band player and you have a Dramokus Command in your hand, you can oh, wait yeah. until they give it to you and then end step Dramokus Command yourself before you have to choose the trigger. So, um, I think probably there's some... Chris benefited to some degree of, uh, from people not really knowing how the deck worked and having learned all the tricks for beating it. Right. Oh, no, there was, certain, there was certainly a match where he played against Travis Wu. And Travis had anguish and making in hand and he and he planned to you know let his opponent go through the motions donate the card to him and then on his upkeep anguished and making it <laughs> which doesn't work out <laughs> <laughs> yep. right and that's just you know that's also one of the advantages that chris patello had in this tournament is that nobody has really played against a serious free kittens deck before right yeah no, everyone thinks free kittens is a joke, but it's true. They're free. <laughs> you can get them for free anytime. <laughs> yeah, and so the, the, the reason is if you go to your turn with Demonic Pact in play and lose the game as the only uh, option, mm -hmm. you have no option but to lose the game. <laughs> right. right? Exactly. Un yeah. Unless you have something that's going to counter, uh, a, you, know, you know, like some sort of interdict type ability. And there but, is you know, one of no, those. There, that people are playing, sure. right? Counter all spells so you, and abilities. So you could summary dismissal. You could summary dismissal. Demonic, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that's not that's you know not a, not necessarily an ideal situation. Uh, it's probably not the plan you want to have against this deck, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I'm wait for a summary dismissal because they can always counter summary dismissal. You know, they're playing Clash of Wills and they're playing some discard spells as well. They have access to black and blue, so it's a tough one to yeah. beat. Um, I think this is a really cool deck, and I hope that it remains a player in the format. I have trouble imagining that it's better than Tier 2. Here, here's the thing, though. I think that if you go to a tournament this weekend, you're uh -huh. going to face this deck. You're going to play this deck at least once. That's true. That's true. Because it's I think so this fun. Is, <laughs> yes. Right. And it, and it is so uh, perpendicular to what everyone else is doing in Standard right now. Right. Yep. And and there's something appealing about that. There's a whole segment of, of players that are like, yes, that's what I want to do. I want to do something else. Yep. So how how do we beat this deck? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you you beat this deck. I think you know you can shut off its way of winning by learning how to play against it a little bit. Um, so one of the ways is just you know learn how the deck operates, learn how the anguish on making works, and how the Dramokus <laughs> command works, right? Um, and another one, I think, you know, like, um, actually discarding counter spells are really good against this deck since they're going for two big dramatic plays. One, get the pact out, and one, donate the pact to you. So if they're having to tutor up, you know, they're paying five mana to search their library to find their harmless offering, and you're able to say, like, well, I'll clash of wills that, right? Um, or, uh, 
Invasive Surgery is a card that we saw uh, at the GP a little bit, which I think is a really well-positioned card right now. So just I, think, I think that card would be great here, right? Yeah, it would be amazing. <laughs> like, both for taking the tutor away or for just taking the harmless offering away. Um, and only, you know, at one mana. Uh, right. And I think the thing to remember also when you're playing against this deck is that at some point you're going to be forced to discard two cards. Mm-hmm. And that depending on what your cards are, you, there are, there may actually be times where you need to hold back some land. Yeah, absolutely. You um, know, I mean, I think, I think that if there's, if you have an invasive surgery or a summary dismissal or something that's going to let you interact with this deck and kind of screw up their plan, then you, you know what I mean? You need, you need to be prepared. You just got to keep in mind that at some point your opponent's going to say, discard two cards and, right. and, and start thinking about that. In, in case that happens. Right, because it feels like you have time to plan for it because they play it and they don't get to choose a mode until the next turn. But you only have one turn then to draw one card to fill up your hand to protect whatever your relevant card is. And God forbid they draw more than one of their four pacts, then they can play right. one one turn. They can play the next one and they don't even have to worry about that one because they're not going to get <laughs> to the point where they're losing from that one, right? So that one's just, you know, gravy that's adding uh, action. So, you know, I've seen these decks play where they play one pact and the person says, all right, great. I'm going to hold my important card. I'll discard these two lands. I can't play my important card yet, but I'll have a couple turns to draw that lander to get, you know, to resolve it. And then they just play another pact and all of a sudden your hand is empty. Um, so, uh, yeah, definitely holding cards in your hand is a valuable way to fight this strategy. And, um, you know, targeted disruption of their plan is really powerful. Um, right. It's very tempting to like, if you're an aggressive deck, be like, well, I got to outrace their combo and just, you know, play all my guys out and attack. And then you fall into the getting languished um, situation and then they have time to execute their plan. I think you want to apply consistent pressure and then have a way to disrupt what they're doing. One of the things I also think that's kind of interesting about this deck is that it's not a really good Liliana deck. No. <laughs> no. Liliana is just sort of a distraction, right? Yeah, I mean, there's two Liliana. When you look at the deck list on the webpage, there's two Lilianas just sitting on the top of the list, and it's kind of like they seem so out of place. Yeah, you're like, here are these Lilianas. Where are the creatures I'm going to get with it? You know, what's the point here? Um, I mean, I think Liliana has demonstrated, really Liliana's job here is to play a role with playing defense. You know, it's really, really good with Languish. You know, it, it kills those five toughness creatures when after you Languish. Um, and... It's also just an alternate win condition, you know? Right. Because right. it's pretty easy to tick Liliana up while defending it and then just go ultimate and make a bunch of zombies and forget about your pacts. Right. You just cast a couple languishes, a couple right. It gives you if for some reason you 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 lose access to your two harmless offerings. Yes. If some kind of horrible surgery occurs, <laughs> you, you can no longer offer your petitions to anybody. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, yeah, I mean, an alternate win condition in a deck like this is probably really important. And I think it's definitely an asset of this deck is that people, if people focus on stopping your combo, um, then that might leave them very vulnerable to another win condition, right? Yeah. And then I did, I did see him, he has, he has one creature in his entire 75-card <laughs> deck list. Yep. He has one Dragonlord Selimgar. Uh-huh. This, this is where Mike would ask, is it Rainbow Afreet? <laughs> one uh, rainbow free that's how he wins yep <laughs> but yeah one dragon lord slim guy on the sideboard right 
And that was and that was actually fascinating because I did see him return that with a Liliana um, against a Liliana that Travis Wu had at six. Oh wow! And then Travis could not ever tick his Liliana up to seven. Right, because if he did, <laughs> Dragon Lord Songar would come in, steal it, and then ultimate it. Yeah, That's and he good. had. It was it was this crazy game where Liliana sat around at six for like three or four turns, <laughs> just doing nothing. There's no by by the way, Travis Wu's deck is also a fairly terrible Liliana deck. Right, right. <laughs> like in that it has almost no creatures. I don't think it has any creatures in the main deck to return. So all it can do is tick up. What an extraordinary game of chicken that is. <laughs> Um, I think, you know, with Liliana gaining in popularity, I think that's a really good sign. I think Dragonlord Slimgar is a card that you should look to have access to, right? Like, yeah. it's so good against Liliana. Because yeah. people playing these Liliana decks that don't want to tick down and can't benefit from ticking down. So all they're doing is going up and then ultimating. And, and we've seen how easy it is to get to seven and how quickly you can get to seven. Yeah, absolutely. But, but you do need to pass the turn back <laughs> before <laughs> you can do that. Yep. So... Yeah. Kind of a cool idea. Maybe maybe uh, look for opportunities to find Dragon Lords in your decks. That's pretty cool. Um, so yeah. Summary Dismissal, also kind of a neat card. Something that, uh, you know, is a way for you to, to fight against. You know, obviously a fine counterspell to counter their harmless offering or do whatever. But if you get sort of caught pants down and you have to untap with suddenly with a demonic pact in play, you can you can summary dismissal the demonic pact triggered ability, right? Yeah, it's the emergency eject button for sure. Um, it's kind of a sad situation to be in to pay four mana to counter one ability on one of your cards, um, and I suspect that it's there also as you know an answer to opposing emeralds, right? Like this card was clearly printed so that you know people could say, well, if the Eldrazi are too much of a problem, you can exile the spell and counter the ability that triggers when you cast that spell. Right. Right. So, um, yeah, pretty pretty handy there. And hey, it's great against a Liliana ultimate as well. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. So, but, but. Uh, so let, let's talk about Travis Wu's deck a little bit, because you talked about the fact that you, you played against a lot of white-black control uh, in did. the main event. Yeah, can, can I start by saying how disappointed I am to see Travis Wu play something so typical? You know, we look for Travis to play something wacky. And do something wild. He's got a pretty standard, you know, he's made some nice adaptations here to white black control, but nothing super exciting. I, I you know, it's funny. I, I talked to him and a couple of the guys who are on his like MTG masterminds team. Mm -hmm. And they actually, they actually felt that this deck was, uh, they, they seemed pretty comfortable with the originality of this deck actually. Yeah. Is that, and, and they're talking about, um, you know, the main deck Gideon's and the oaths. As sort of the innovation, yes. there? Yep. yeah, the yeah the big the big innovation here is this chain link fence that you get to form around your super friends. Uh huh. Uh, you know, so your Lilianas are sort of protecting themselves. Your Gideons are making uh, ally knight tokens, and then with Oath of Liliana, uh, you're able to whittle down your opponent's army, but then also start every time you put out a planeswalker, you have one extra step of defense you know of defense against them because you get to put a zombie into play yeah i mean it's it's kind of amazing you talk about like what people always say about a planeswalker first qualification can this planeswalker defend itself right 
And so many Planeswalkers suffer from this this criticism. Like, it's a cool card if your opponent doesn't have any creatures, but otherwise you're just playing something and it's going to get killed. And Oath of Liliana fills in so perfectly, right? It, it helps yeah. the Planeswalker defend itself. Yeah. Yeah, so this, this for them was like a huge... Uh, I think they felt like they really had a huge advantage here over a lot of other decks. Yeah, I mean... Because of that. The other thing it does is it allows this deck actually is usually kind of vulnerable to opposing Planeswalkers to generate a little bit of offense against them, right? Without right. playing creatures. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but then, you know, and, and you know, there are other, there are other play. I mean, forming deck transgress the mind is, uh, you know, I think a pretty big part of how they're planning to battle Planeswalkers. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Emrakul's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they also have, uh, they also have Anguished Unmaking in their, uh, in their main deck. Um, and Ruinous Path. So they have, they have some, some cards, but that's usually the thing with a deck like this is you have to plan on targeting your opponent's Planeswalkers versus trying to fight them with your guys, right? No. Right. Bant Company doesn't worry about this problem. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just company out some more guys and attack your Planeswalker, no problem, right? So. Now, now is, this, is this a deck that can't... This deck can't support, like, one Dark Petition or... Um... I think this deck could absolutely support one Dark Petition. The question is, are you getting full value out of it, right? You're not Dark Petitioning for anything super game-breaking, because um, everything is just really powerful mid-range stuff and then early defense. Um, you know, the best thing you're going to Dark Petition for here is either a Languish or a Sorin. Um, and th those are great, but it's not the same as, you know, um, a, a Dark Petitioning toolbox sort of deck. Right. right? This is not how it's right. built. I guess you're going to change the deck too much if you, if you do that. Right. You're going to start putting one-ofs in the deck. Um, you know, I could see it. I could see it becoming a thing that you want if the format goes in a particular direction. I mean, the kind of card that I want to Dark Petition for is Kalidus, right? And he's got a couple in his sideboard there. Right. So, I could... And, and, a couple, and a couple Infinite Obliteration, which is, I think, another card you really want to be like, on turn five, right. Dark Petition into infinite obliteration, infinite obliterate you. Yes, yeah. The, there's a couple, you could see it, even one in the sideboard when you just know your plan really well. Um, it, it, as like another languish as well. He's got the fourth yeah. languish in the sideboard. He could have a fifth with just adding anguish done making. Or adding, yeah. uh, you know, uh, Dark petition? Dark petition, rather, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know what card was surprisingly good against this deck when I watched it play? Uh, <laughs> um, Thalia. Heretic Cathar. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's uh, you know, what having those having those tokens come into play tapped. Yeah. You know, when of. you were sort of like <laughs> playing when you're playing like a turn behind the curvy creature decks. Yeah. Like and if you get your planeswalker draw instead of your uh spot removal draw, and the spot removal draw here is actually less likely in a lot of cases than the planeswalker draw. Yeah, there's a lot more yeah. planeswalkers than there are <laughs> instance <laughs> yeah yeah um you know you can you can find yourself falling really behind and then you know not not generating that advantage that you're looking to generate because they've already committed their resource to the board you now have played your planeswalker something comes into play tapped they you know they can bash in on your planeswalker and then continue to develop their board or sit back on a collected company or you know so it's, it's kind of an, it was kind of an interesting card to see uh, in this matchup the other the other deck that was just great in this against this was in the finals. Uh, and I'm not picking on Travis. He's just Travis just 
he, but here's the great thing about Travis. Yeah. Travis talks through everything. Oh yeah, he does. Right. While he's playing. So while he's playing. So yeah. he just like is providing this running narration. So you got this real, uh, I got this, you know, watching him play throughout the top eight. I got this real insight into how things worked for him, uh, when he was, when he was playing. So he, uh, he's playing against Robert, uh, Santana who eventually wins the, the Grand Prix. Right. And Santana plays a turn three Pilgrim's Eye, which gets cashed in for a turn four Distended Mindbender. Uh-huh. And Travis, just for the rest of the game, is just like, wow, was I supposed to like pump the brakes and kill that a Pilgrim's, Pilgrim's Eye on uh-huh. turn three? <laughs> is that what I was supposed to do? And he like he asks like seriously asks this question of Robert of uh, Robert Santana and, and Robert's like, yeah, people have been asking me that all weekend. <laughs> <laughs> and the answer, right, is yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, it sets that distended mind bender so far back. You know, if you're worried about the turn four distended mind bender, then you have to kill the three drop. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think the, the interesting way to, to think about it is that like a pilgrim's eye always looks so innocent and stupid and constructed. <laughs> right. But really that's a dark ritual, right? Dark ritual is a card that's, you know, not printed anymore. <laughs> that's how powerful dark ritual is. So, um, I, I think like if you look at that card and you think of it that way, then it's really easy to justify burning a removal spell on, on that card. Now, if it was a, if it was a Nissa Vastwood seer, would you have killed it? You yeah, know, is that of easier to kill? Yeah. What I'm right? saying is that, you know, that that's there's like less regret than than like, you know, I'm not going to use my grasp of darkness on a pilgrim's eye. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. But I think, you know, one of pilgrim's eye's assets is that it's so unassuming, <laughs> right? It's deceptive. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. It is kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this so, is ha- another thing that Michael J. Flores would love, right? He's always loved a civic wayfinder. Yeah, so. <laughs> here it is. And a, and a pilgrim's eye. He, he wants one an event, as he'll tell you. Putting uh, <laughs> splinter eye on a pilgrim's eye. Splinter, splinter twin on a pilgrim's eye. Right, right, yeah. Which is, hey, yeah. that's pretty good, actually. <laughs> right, we can, we can all appreciate We've all done that in a cube, I, I imagine. <laughs> um, um, yeah. How do, how do we beat the black-white deck? What, what's, what is the point? Because this deck is difficult to beat and really... Uh, just like if you get to the mid stage of a game against this, it is it is really really hard to compete with, with this deck. Yeah, it's super resilient, right? Um, it's got like it's it's that mid range powerful stuff, and then the you know early game uh, removal that still has application late game. Um, so I, it, it's definitely a challenge, and I think um, I I kind of wonder how well this deck performs against the um, blue-red um, burn decks, right? Because it seems like they could, you know, the way to beat that deck is to um, be able to use your mana and commit to the board and, and make things happen. And this seems like this deck would struggle a lot to get cards out of its hand. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> but also, if it has a Gideon, it can probably just race that, that burn deck a little bit, you know. Um, but the burn deck also, of course, can target its burn directly at Planeswalkers. So yeah, suspect- Fe- Fevered Visions is especially good against Planeswalkers mm-hmm. because you get to redirect that two points of damage. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, 
Yeah, just insane. Yeah, and if they happen to draw multiples of planeswalkers, it's not particularly helpful for them either, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so the drawing extra cards, not not super great. So I think you know, I, I think red cards are probably pretty effective against a deck like this, um, because they're a way of attacking quickly without you know committing all your resources to the board, um, and you know, this deck is really. It's a it's a control deck, right? It's responding to the environment that it's in. Um, so, uh, although I like the Planeswalker innovation, it makes it a little bit more flexible. It's still very much a you know a product of its environment. So, if you can make Transgress the Mind obsolete, right? That's a huge edge. If you can make Read the Bones a liability, that's a big edge. So, right. um, that that would be where I would start trying to attack something like this. Um, you know, try to turn off their um, their powerful removal and make their planeswalkers too slow. Uh, right. Also worth worth remembering. I know that you know we say there's no creatures in the deck, but it also there are four shambling vents, mm -hmm. which one of the interesting things that I saw with this deck was that Travis would often get his. Uh, so he had you know multiple cards with awaken. You know he had the two ruinous paths. He also yeah. had planar outburst, uh -huh. and he would make it a point of getting those counters onto his shambling vent, so he could gain some life. Yeah, and so like yeah, so you you know if you get four counters, uh, on your shambling vent, and then you animate it, it goes you know those those counters go on top of the two three creature, so then you suddenly have, you know, a six seven creature. Yeah, yeah, you have and a gigantic gigantic lifelinker, which with, is with lifelink, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that make that makes a big difference. Yeah, and, I mean, you know, same thing with planar outburst. Mm -hmm. I think I think it's been made very clear that Shambling Vent is far and away the best of the man lands that were reprinted, the person lands, I should say. Um, yeah, I think creature. I think creature lands is creature the lands. nomenclature. It's the new, yeah, new, new nomenclature. I like I like folk lands, but that's me. Folk lands. That's yeah. <laughs> that's that's a good one. It's, it sounds more magic y to me somehow. <laughs> it certainly does. Um, yeah, I uh, I think it's you know a huge reason to play white black is just to be able to play shambling vent in your deck. Um, re really, really powerful card. Um, yeah. So I think, I, I think attacking this, you know, the fact that red is sort of underrepresented in the format as a primary color is one of the reasons that this deck is really successful. Right. Uh, we talked about green is the, the color that people are playing. And if you're playing a bunch of creature removal um, and a bunch of planeswalkers, I think you're pretty good against green decks because green creatures tend to be sort of slow and clunky and powerful, but planeswalkers are going to outperform slow creatures. Right. Yeah. How, how do you like this deck against Bank Company? Um, I, who do you who do you like in that head to head? Uh, I mean, I think it's probably close. Um, and since Bank Company is so flexible, there can be a lot of different versions of Bank Company. Um, but I think this deck is specifically designed to beat Bank Company. Um, and I can't imagine that Travis would have done as well as he did if he didn't have a pretty good matchup because there was plenty of Bant Company in Portland. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, the thing that Bant Company doesn't start early, right? It has two drops, but not super impactful ones and not a lot of them. Um, and it doesn't have one drops. And then, you know, it spends the mid-game playing mid-sized creatures. And this deck just one-for-one one matches up great and then also matches up well at a two-for-one rate. You know, Bant Company doesn't throw out some cheap useless creature that they can throw away to Oath of Liliana. Everything matters. Um, and, you know, you have Languish if you fall behind. You have um, instant speed removal to deal with stuff that comes in off Collected Company. Transgress the Mind hits almost every card in their deck. Um, and since Bank <laughs> Company 
is really good at keeping their hand, you know, stocked. Transgress never is really dead. So, um, you know, and Bank Company also not a deck that just, you know, blows you away and can attack into your Planeswalkers. It just builds up creatures. So if you're casting Planeswalkers and chump blocking with, you know, little creatures that made by Gideon and Oath of Liliana until you languish, and then they have to rebuild. It's just, it, it seems like you can outgrind Bant Company with this deck. Um, so I, I think it's probably a good matchup. So, so you think if you're, if you're looking to beat this deck, Bant Company may be not great, but the, the Fevered Burn decks might be relatively good. Yeah, I think the Fevered Burn decks are probably well-positioned against this deck. Um, and I think this deck is also probably somewhat vulnerable to discard itself um, because it's going to, try to one-for-one you and then play a powerful card to stretch out into the game where they draw the rest of their powerful mid-range cards. So, you know, a deck that can run duresses and transgresses um, and, uh, you know, then follow those up with something powerful might be good. Um, yeah, you know, well, we, well I, 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 not just scoreboard-wise, but I, I definitely liked the Jund Emerge deck against it. It looked very good against this deck. Right, yeah, and you were saying, you know, the the thing that really got Travis is he, you know, got hit by a very impressive discard spell, right? <laughs> yeah, oh, I think I think it happened twice on turn four. Oh wow! Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's that's uh, it, it's pretty tough. It's definitely vulnerable to that, right? The deck is probably close to fifty fifty on spells that cost three or less and four or more. Um, right. As close as most decks get, it's it's certainly three or less will be the bigger number because you know you have to have cheap spells and uh, standard. But um, yeah, so you're going to get hit by you know both sides of a uh, distended mind bender. Yeah. All right. Let's 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 talk for a second about Bant Company because uh, Paul Rietzel's list, I, I think, oh, is yeah. really really interesting to talk about. Uh huh. So Paul just maxes out at 29 creatures, 27 of which are hittable with Collected Company. Uh-huh. Main decks Ojatai's Command, plays 26 lands, obviously plays the four Collected Companies. If you're doing the math at home, that's 60 cards. There's no Dramoka's Command in his list. Nope, there's none. Um I mean, he was paying attention to LSV, right? LSV said, I would cut Dramoka's command. He didn't think it was good in, in, in the format currently. Um, he also brought it, he's got a Thalia here, which we've talked about might be a really good answer to the format right now. Um, and yeah, God, he's just, you know, he's, he, it's not like he added anything crazy. He's got the fourth Tireless Tracker. He's got a couple Nisses, <laughs> you know. Four, self, four Selfless Spirits. Four Selfless Spirits. clearly a response to you know, all of the Causelect graveyard Kozilek's return decks. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, and, and that's a, you know, that was a, a read that LSV had. He had the four selfless spirits as well. Um, but, you know, he's kept those here. It looks, it seems like a card that um, some folks have started to cut. I've seen lists that, that have started to remove it. Um, and, uh, you know, I think Jerry Thompson went more in the direction of playing Jaces. He's got more blue mana than white mana. Right. He's playing Jaces, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, the thing about selfless spirit is it's 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 not a great turn to play in a field full of Liliana, right? Yeah, no, it's it's really embarrassing there, and it's not great against languish. You know, it's kind of a joke, um, right? It just feels embarrassing when somebody languishes and you have a selfless spirit in play. So, I know from experience, it feels <laughs> bad. Uh, <laughs> um, 
And in, in addition to the 29 creatures, you know, there's the Ojitai's Command, which represents more creatures. There's the Collected Companies, and there's two Lumbering Falls. So this is just, this is like straight up what Paul Ritza likes to do when he plays Magic, just get creatures into the red zone. Yeah, just summon, summon monsters to his side and send them in. Um, yeah, and I mean, it's hard to argue with. This is the thing, the reason Band Company won't go anywhere and, and keeps persisting as people try to beat it is it has so many great options, you know? Um, one of the things it suffered from, I think, before the more recent set was that the two drops were a little bit restricted. It was a little hard to find good two drops. And Selfless Spirit changed that, right? Now you've got Sylvan Advocate, Deathquatch Recruiter, Selfless Spirit, and Jace. You've got 16 to choose from, which is more than you need. So um, the deck has more flexibility even now than it, than it did before. Also worth noting, no Jace here for... Right. Yeah, no Jace in main or sideboard. No, which makes sense. No, no, he's got he's got two Jace. He's got two Jaces in the sideboard. Yeah, and and it makes sense because he has you know only five spells in his deck, so one of Jace's abilities is not particularly relevant. Um, (laughs) You know, so he can bring Jace in when he's bringing in his uh, two Dramoka's commands that are in the sideboard, his Declaration of Stone. You know, Um, and and that looks like maybe where it's it's for. I think Jace is good in the mirror. in the company mirror, it gives you a lot of, you know, versatility and options. Um, it, you know, both sides of the card are doing a lot of important stuff for you. You know, you're getting to your collected companies, and then also the ability to shrink your opponent's creatures, so you're ahead in combat. And um, flashback important cards like Dramoka's Command and Collected Company. Right. Uh, cra- craziest card in the sideboard here to me is Elder Deep Fiend. Oh, I like that so much. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, kind of funny. It's a one-of, right? So um, it's, a, it's a little bit of an um, interesting idea because the deck isn't actually playing a lot of three drops that you actively are happy to sacrifice. Like Reflector Mage kind of did its job already, and you can see sacrificing that. And Nissa we've seen, I guess, as a, as a popular sacrifice target. But Deep Fiend's mostly here because you, already, you just have so many three drops already and this is such a powerful way to win probably mirror matches, you know, in other creature decks, right? You just tap all their guys down one turn and it just the game just ends. Right. This this is serving the same role as the subjugator angel did in Luis's sideboard, but you get to flash it in. Yeah, and it's uh slightly less embarrassing of a card to have in your deck. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, it's exciting and new is what it is. It's got the shiny new car smell. Yeah, it's got a new car smell. It's also got, I think, just more versatility. You know, you could imagine a game where you're a little tight on mana and your opponent gets out ahead of you and you need to just have a catch-up play. You draw that fourth land, you're able to play a Deep Fiend to tap down their big attack and then sort of recover from there. Um, whereas, you know, the Angel had one job. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and it was good at that job, but, you know, it was, the, the Deep yeah, Fiend deep- is... Deep Fiend does a nice job ambushing too, right? It does a great job ambushing, yeah. 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 And, and it, by the way, it also turns on Archangel Avacyn, right? Oh, it sure does. Yeah, it flips Archangel. Um, yeah, really cool which, card. Which is not a meaningless thing and lives through that flip. Uh-huh. Which not a lot of things in your deck do other than Sylvan Advocates generally. I mean, you could obviously sacrifice, I mean, sacrificing Selfless Spirit and then sacrificing another Selfless Spirit will do it. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Which is which is great, but you know, if, if that if you have that much, um, so it's a little ghost intensive, you know. It's a yeah. It's also uh, it's a lucky break. You can't count on having two <laughs> spirits every time. Uh, but I think yeah, Elder Deep Fiend really powerful. I can imagine you know a version of this deck that plays more of them, 
And I wonder if at some point we'll actually see people stop playing collected companies so that they can get a little more flexibility in the creatures they play. Well, people aren't going to have a lot of choice about playing collected company soon. That's true. You know, I mean, maybe when we, maybe when next, by the time we talk about modern, it'll be a thing there, but. <laughs> well, it was already a thing in modern, right? Didn't people take, yeah. you know, um, the, the birthing pod decks and they just, birthing pod got That's true. And put in company, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's, I mean, it's obviously just an obviously great card that is just going to see play wherever, wherever you can just get ridiculous advantage out of it. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a great card and, and you know, one of those cards that will go straight from your standard um, build a box into your modern building box and keep getting used. <laughs> uh, so what, what, do, what do you think, what, what does, what are the advantages of Paul's version from Portland? Like, it seems like it's very, it's, it seems like it's worse against the blue red spells deck or is it maybe a little better? Like it's able to just keep dumping creatures out of the board. Um, yeah, I think that, it, I think that you're right that it's actually worse against the blue red spells deck than it would be with, um, uh, Dromoka's Command, just because Dromoka's Command is has so much utility against them and is a two-mana spell, right? I think Paul's a good player, and he has a great, you know, he has enough utility in the sideboard to fight that deck. You know, he can just bring in cheaper spells um, and some, you know, cards that are really good tools against a deck like that. Um, he has a couple of Dromoka's Commands, not as many as you'd, you'd want if you knew you were going to play against blue-red spells all deck, or all day, rather. Um, right. So, uh, yeah, and I think that what he did was he put together a deck that was going to win the mirror, you know? Like, uh, he said, hey, Bant Company is good enough to beat a lot of these decks if I play it well, and I want a version of it that's going to win the mirror match, and I think people over um, value Dromoka's Command in the mirror, probably, you know? Interesting. Because um, it seems like the way you're going you're gonna to get things done, you're like, oh, I'll pick off your tireless tracker and I'll make sure that I'm the only one who has a tireless tracker but the deck is just it has so much card advantage if you can't take out Duskwatch Recruiter and tireless tracker and Nissa, then you're not really getting anywhere with the the card advantage fight you know he's got two Archangel Avacyn his collected companies are going to hit every time and he's got all the utility creatures you know he's got Nissa, he's got Thalia I think Thalia is great in the mirror right I mean you think about what Thalia oh, yeah. says, creatures come to play tapped and non-basic lands come to play tapped. And the yeah, deck, there are not a lot of basic lands in this deck. Or cr- spells that aren't creatures, right? Even the collected yeah. companies are creatures. So it's just it's just a time walk. And you see, I believe he's got another one on the sideboard, right? So, yeah, he does. Um, so I think that's a really good technology for the, the mirror match. Um, and then... Uh, you think this deck's a little, a little weak to the, the blue-red... Spells deck is, is, is where we, we feel. How do you feel like this deck matches up against the black-white Planeswalker decks? Um, I think it's um, better than a deck with Dromokas Command in it against those. You know, um, Dromokas Command doing almost nothing against those decks. You can find what, you know, you can kill a token with it here and there and get extra counter, but it's just not, you know, not, not where you want to be. Um, still, I think probably a dog to those decks on some level just because their entire plan is in place to beat you, you know, <laughs> you still have the selfless spirits, which are vulnerable to Liliana's and languishes, you know, you have reflector mage, which is doing almost nothing against them. So game one, it's pretty tough. I think game two probably improves a little bit as you get to bring in some counter magic, which can be really good against those sorcery speed, high impact decks. Like, you know, negating an Obnixilis is, is going to be a pretty good moment for you. Um, 
Clash of Wills can do the same job. So um, if I was worried about those decks, I would probably want a little more counter magic in my sideboard because um, you have some cards you want to take out. You know, you want to take out Reflector Mage and Thalia. Um, well, actually, maybe not Thalia. We talked about that, how it's, it's actually pretty effective. Um, but Reflector Mage, Selfless Spirit, those probably aren't very good there. So... Um, yeah, I mean, if you want to look, at, if you want to look at a different take on the band company list, uh, Tanner von Diflo is the other band company player in the top eight, and uh, you know he played twenty six creatures. Doesn't look like he no, he had no Archangel Avisons. He just had twenty six, uh, you know, creatures that you can all hit company. off of off of collected company. Uh-huh. He had four collected company, four Jamokas command, one Ojatai's command, and then twenty five lands. So, right. you know, he's playing just like a much more classic model. Yeah, his deck looks a lot like LSV's. His mana base is a little different, and he lost the Angels, but, you know, he's got the Selfless yeah. Spirits. Um, he did bring in yeah, the, this. The Angel there. basically became uh, Ojatai's Command, right? Like, Yep. Ojatai's like Command and, and, and Nissa. Uh, and he has right. a second Jace, you know, so he's... He's taken out the angels. To, I guess he found them a little bit too clunky, or he was trying to get underneath the um, uh, uh, the Eldrazi decks more, perhaps um, play a little faster, and not have these expensive spells stuck in his hand. Um, and yeah, you know, he's got the subjugator angel in the sideboard there. So right, uh, yeah. And, and how do you hold this deck up versus Paul's deck? Um. I think that this is a really solid list, but not doing anything exciting. It's not making any strong choices about the environment, right? I think Tanner probably knew his deck well and was ready for, um, you know, ready to play the mirror match and ready to play against decks in the format. Um, but, you know, his sideboard actually looks kind of old. Um, he's got Lamholt Pacifist, right? Which has been um, sort of uh, replaced as the you know, cheap creature to play against white decks by Norwood Dryad, which is just so much easier to get into play when your man is a little awkward, um, <laughs> you know, uh, and, and does, you know, does, does a really effective job. Um, and he's got Subjugator Angel, which, you know, we talked about how probably that is just isn't nearly as good as uh, playing an Eldrazi that taps things, including lands. <laughs> right, so, right. Um, the, the Deep Fiend probably is the next step there. So I like his... Um, list for his, you know, dedication to what he's doing. He said he wanted to play Dromoka's Command, and I think this is the way to do it, right? He said, you can't do Dromoka's Command and Angels because it's just too many cards that Collected Company doesn't hit. Um, right. Yeah. So I'd expect, if you sit across, sit down across from somebody and you want to guess what their list is after you figure out Collected Company, I would guess that Tanner's is a lot more like what you're going to see. You know, he trimmed the Selfless Spirits because he's noticing more, you know, Liliana in the environment, but he still wants to have it, so he has three. Um, right. Yeah. Le- le- less exciting than, than Paul's list, maybe more um, like the list that should continue to be in the environment, though. All right. Uh, let's talk about one more deck before we talk about the winning list. Uh, there was also a black-green delirium list in the top eight, which was Michael Hans's black-green delirium. Yep. And uh, this is this is a four Liliana deck uh, has lots of creatures to return. Uh-huh. So you know this this is a deck making great use of Liliana, right? Yeah. Uh, four self and advocate, three tireless trackers, Ishkanaz, 
Emrakul Den Protector. So you get like that Liliana Den Protector uh, synergy going, which is just, Absurd. you know, yeah, you just start to pull. You know, if that happens at anywhere past turn seven, you are probably just pulling away from your opponent. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in fact, this might be the most Liliana deck that there is, right? Because it plays a bunch of creatures, but not so many that it can't take advantage of um, the fact that you have a bunch of different types of spells and you can get Delirium too, right? Because Liliana is great at feeding Delirium, right? Right. So, you know, he's got sorceries, creatures, planeswalkers, instants, and enchantments in his deck. So he can definitely get Delirium. But but what's interesting is this is this is not a deck that really pushes the let's get delirium plan the way we've seen some of these decks no no he has a he he has vessel of nascency which is to me a sign that he wants it um, but only three only three and he has you know like it looks like five or so cards that want delirium maybe i guess there's seven he's got ishkana to the slaughter which is a cool card that a couple people had in their lists yeah. um traverse the olvenwald which is a card i really really like and uh, Emrakul. He's got a singleton Emrakul. So, but, you know, this is, there's no grapple with the past, which is shown to be just, to me, one of the most exciting cards in these decks because it, it both feeds your delirium and your, your you, know, you know, accelerate rituals you towards Emrakul. Uh-huh. But, but also just helps you get tools that you need back from your graveyard or cards that your opponent has, you know, now just invested in an entire turn killing. Like, okay, I'm going to cast Languish. Then I'm going to use Liliana to finish off your Ishkana. Okay, I've cleared your Ishkana. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, gra- at the end of your turn, grapple with the past. Uh, get back Ishkana, Ishkana. Yeah, it's a, yeah. It's a hand sculpting card, right? Like this is the, the thing that we've learned about green in recent years that Wizards has done a really good job with is it's become the card draw color, right? Yeah. It draws cards a different way than blue does, but you know, it, you, now you've got a way to like search for the card you want and, and find it, you know? So... Really, yeah, that's a really powerful card. And it's usually in your graveyard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, you know, it is a lot of creatures, but it's it's actually 13, right? It's a quarter, a little less than a quarter of the deck. So, you know, this is a creature deck that plays two Languish in the main deck. Um, so so this deck almost feels more like the rock. Yes, that's exactly what it feels like. So for people who are not as old as you or I... <laughs> Which, uh, by the way, is not the same age. It is two tiers of old. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, leave it to the yeah. reader to imagine which of us is older. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, the, the Rock was just like a green-black deck that had a mix of removal, board sweepers. Discard. Um, discard, yeah. And, th- and that's exactly what this deck feels like. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and. Yeah, just like a ton of really good utility cards and that weird contradiction where your opponent plays a creature and then plays a sweeper, so it can be awkward to play against. Um. Yeah, wh- what what is uh yeah, that's kind of weird, right? But I guess it's only two languishes, so you're not you're not necessarily just a languish deck. You have the ability to languish. Um right, exactly. It's it's something that your opponent has to play around, right? They, you know, you, you might be doing it one game and you might not be doing it another game. You know, your opponent has to decide whether they're going to commit another creature so that if you cast Ishkana, they can actually attack and maybe get some damage through. Or if they want to, you know, sit back and worry about getting, um, you know, uh, languished. So, um, it, yeah, I really like decks like this. Um, I am 
it feels like there's something missing in this deck. Like maybe it is doing one less powerful thing than other decks in the format. But I'd actually really be interested in shuffling this deck up and trying it out. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree with you. I, I actually feel like I, I don't know what it is that I want here. But <laughs> right. I, I mean, I feel like, I mean, I certainly feel like I want uh, uh, at least some number of grapple with the past. And maybe, but then maybe I need more creatures. I, I don't even know. Uh-huh. Yep. No, that's exactly it. This, it, and, it, it and I guess it's weird because we're used to the decks we've seen that looked like this from the Pro Tour had Grim Flare. Right. Yep. And that right? was exciting. Had Grim Flare <laughs> and, had Nor- and had Narwood Dryad. Uh-huh. Right. And maybe this deck has said, you know what? We're not, we're not going to bother with that. That's just, you know, too many language decks, too much stuff going on. Uh, for us to, you know, to, for us to do that, we, we want all of our creatures to, you know, our two drops are going to be Sylvan Advocates, and we're perfectly happy with that. Yep. Sylvan Advocate, and, you know. Please. And Sylvan Advocate for Liliana is great in a room full of Sylvan Advocates. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and it's Sylvan Advocate is just a great, you know, it's a great card in general because it can be pressure on your opponent's Planeswalkers or it can play defense against you know, um, a, a more aggressive deck. But yeah, this feels very, very much like, you know, a little bit like classic Jundi, just a bunch of good cards. Um, however, it does have Traverse the Olvenwald tutoring into Emrakul, so it has a super powerful late game trick that it can play. Right. right. So, but it's but it but it's not going to get. This is not a deck that's going to cast like a turn six or turn seven Emrakul. Not often. Yeah, it's not. It's not aiming for that. Right. That's not the goal. So, uh, how do you, how do you like so let's 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 talk it through in terms of the decks we've seen already right like I I don't think I want to play this deck against Cat Pack. <laughs> um, no, probably not. That's probably a real bad place to be. You can't race them and right. you can't stop them. You know, it has like two transgress the mind. So yeah, that's that's a pretty bad one. Uh, uh, Black white planeswalkers. I feel like that deck is going to be advantaged against this deck. Yeah, it seems like they have the you know advantage of the actual planeswalkers, whereas you don't have the, enough creatures to really apply pressure. Um, and you know you have some ruinous pests and some transgresses, but maybe not enough. Maybe if this deck played more to the slaughters, <laughs> right? Interesting. Yeah. Um. So, uh, Bant. Um, I think you're probably pretty good against Bant. You can sort of play the mid range game with them, but you have a bigger over the top. Um, and you do have, you know, Languish to compete with them. I don't think it's probably a great matchup, but I think, um, you know, it's hard to imagine a deck top-aided uh, GP without having at least a decent band matchup. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't, I don't mind that matchup. I don't think it's amazing. I think if you want to beat Bant, there are decks that do it better. Yeah. So there, there were actually, I, I mean, other than the two Bant company decks, by the way, there were no... There was nothing that doubled up in this top eight other than the, the two bank companies. Right. Because that, we, we also forgot to mention Oliver Tomiko's Teamer Emerge deck. Right. Teamer Emerge, still around. Uh, so this is, you know, really like uh, pulling from Owen's list. And this is a deck that's running, you know, four grapples, four gather, uh, gather the packs, not running any it doesn't look like it's running any copies of vessel of nascency right so it just said those are those are the eight cards we're going to use to to set up our our delirium and and get our uh emerge package going and then using 
Elder Deep Fiend and Amrakul as your as your kind of like we're going to chain a couple of Deep Fiends together to get to Amrakul. Right, and this this deck is playing Primal Druid, which is an interesting one. Right, and all of a sudden this card has popped up everywhere. Right, Primal Druid and Pilgrim's Eye. And Pilgrim's the, Eye. Yeah, the most unassuming duo to ever walk <laughs> the streets of Gotham. <laughs> yeah, uh, you you wonder if um, people think they can sacrifice both of them at the same time, right? <laughs> What is going on here? Um, oh, yeah. Man, can you imagine if you could like emerge a pilgrim's eye from a primal druid? <laughs> you just get so many basics. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, the deck is primal druid, pilgrim's eye, and Nissa. And Nissa. Right. <laughs> so this is Mike's dream. Yep. Absolutely. And then it's got you know, um, Ishkana, Elder Deep Fiend, Wretched Griffin, Emrakul. So that's sort of like the top end, the things that you're, you know, ramping to, essentially. And then it's got Jace, which isn't really a creature in this deck, right? It's more of just a utility card. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then you, you we have Kozilek's Return as sort of the only real interactive spell. Um, and then Grapple with the Past, like you said, Gather and some Traverse the Ovenwalds. Um, yeah, this Yeah, I mean, gra Grapple seems awesome in this deck, actually. Right, you can get early action, you can get late action, you can get... Um, some different utility cards, right? Yeah, this deck seems like it has a tremendous ability to chain, you know, get the Elder Deep Fiend chain going. Right, yep. Um, uh, which is a great way to win games. Um, it's also, you know, up to two Wretched Griff. This is uh, this little unassuming common has um, become kind of a staple in these decks, which I think is really cool, uh, <laughs> right? Yeah, no, it's I agree. That's funny, we were pulling cards before the Pro Tour to do like a preview yeah. Of what cards we might think. And so we wanted an emerge card, right? Like, and it's like, should we use Wretched Griff because it's good and limited? And like, yeah, but no one's going to play that in standard, right? You know? <laughs> yep. And it's funny. We were talking to, I was talking to Reed in the booth, Reed Duke, and he, he was like, there are a ton of cards that just, we ended up playing that I like deliberately and consciously did not pack in my standard playables box uh -huh. that I took to Australia. Yep. You know, he's like, we cracked so many packs looking for vessels of nascency and grapple with the past. Uh -huh. yeah. You know, and I, and I think Wretched Griff is another one of those cards that, that people were not really, you know, thinking was going to really shine. But, I, you know, I think if you're going to play Primal Druid, you know, like you said, you can't sacrifice. Primal Druid gets nothing if you're not doing something to uh, right. building off of it somehow. I mean, obviously it can block, but. Yeah, and you got to work your way up to even Kozilek's return the thing to death, you know? Kozilek's <laughs> return doesn't even kill it on two, uh, which it would be better, right? Primal Druid would just be better as an O2. Um, okay. how, do you, uh, how do you play against, like, what, what's, what do you match up against the Teamer Emerge deck? Like, what, what beats this deck? Um, I mean, it seems like a deck that's not hard to attack if you really want to, um, because, you know, its plan is so clear. It can blow things away with Kozilek's Return, and it can, you know, cast big creatures. And that's basically all it's doing. Um, but, you know, that said, the format right now is kind of vulnerable to those strategies. You know, any any creature deck that's playing mid-range creatures is going to struggle a little bit because you don't want to overcommit to the, and get Kozilek's Returned. And then, you know, Ishkana and Elder Deep Fiend can really, like, catch this deck up if it's behind on the board a little bit. Um, so I think... You know, the black-white deck is probably quite good here. You know, you get to start activating your Planeswalkers pretty quick. 
Um, Elder Deep Fiend's really good against that deck, but you know they've evolved to have a lot of discard spells, um, which is a, a great place to be against the Deep Fiend, uh, since it takes a little bit of setup. You can sort of time it, um, and if you can remember to kill your opponent's Pilgrim's Eye, um, you can buy yourself a little time <laughs> against it too. Uh, yeah, I think. The, I, I, th- I think not killing the Pilgrim's Eye against Teamer Emerge is not as critical against the Jund Emerge. Right, because of the discard effects. Yeah, I, I just think you're like your whole plan just gets derailed and just you know hurdles off the cliff and explodes like seven some seventies cop show. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I think that's true. I do think that um, it's probably a really valuable lesson against these decks that you know I this deck plays three Pilgrim's Eye, and it would really like to play four, except the card's just so bad, right? <laughs> So, you know, I think that's a that's a sign. Like, the deck needs these cards. It needs them to be in play so it can do what it's doing. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, of course, there's also that rock and a hard place. I had a, um, I had a match where I was playing against Black Green Delirium, and um, I had a lot of creatures in play, and my opponent had Liliana, but I, you know, it couldn't um, kill my guys because I had a, 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 you know, a always watching in play. And my opponent worked really hard to defend this Liliana for a long time. And finally I managed to kill it. And then he immediately untapped. And that was the fourth card type he needed in his graveyard. So he could traverse the Oven Wall of Furnish Kana. Oh no. <laughs> right? So it was funny because after the match, some, one of my friends who was watching said, so it's like, why did you protect your Liliana for so long? And he was like, I don't know. I just it felt like the thing to do. But then I realized when it died that that was what I really needed. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, so Pilgrim's I Write is an artifact and a creature. So something to keep an eye on. You know, you're going to... Oh, yeah put two card types in your opponent's graveyard. Robert Santana had Delirium with three cards in his graveyard multiple times. Yep, yep. You I, know. I and judges that. were like, oh, you don't have Delirium. He's like, uh, hold on, judge. <laughs> I sure do. Yeah, I did that in Limited against uh, Go Dennis, and he was um, very upset. <laughs> uh, in the in draft. Um, it's kind of a cool thing, the, the two card types on one card. Yeah, um, I, I'm just surprised. I'm, I, I feel like I'm surprised every time I see a deck and it's not running. It's only running two Traverse the Ovenwald at this point. Yeah, I agree. It I mean, it seems like right. such a powerful card. Mm-hmm. And it, it functions at every stage of the game. You don't have any other turn one plays, really. Right. Well, so tap lands, but... Yeah, sure. But, I mean, you have plenty of six forests, four Yavamaya Coasts. Yeah, the deck actually has surprisingly few lands that come into play tapped, right? Lumbering yeah, Falls, so, Cinderglade, and Evolving Wilds are it. And there's yeah, only even, four even, total. And even two drops, you don't have a ton to do on two. You don't really care about having your Primal Druid in play on turn two. So, you know, you can still, like, search for your next land and just keep, you, keep your... Man, I, I, like, I feel like it's never... Uh, Traverse is always going to be a fine card for you. Yeah, I think the, I think the um, experience of it might be a little bit different for people because, you know, it sounds easy to get Delirium, but sometimes you don't have it, and when you don't, Traverse is just a land. So right. it can feel like you know, you're getting a little bit land-flooded if you just have you know, too many Traverses. So, Although, so your sense is, unless you have like eight enablers for... But he does have eight enablers here for, he for a Delirium. He's does. got four out of the pack, three, four grapple with the pass. So. Yeah, but he only has five card types in his deck. So if he doesn't oh, okay. hit a Pilgrim's Eye... Um, then he has to have one of each, a sorcery, an instant, a land, and a creature. But actually, since sorceries are the ones he has the least of, 
you could see an argument for just playing more traverses to turn on your other traverses, <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, that's great. Yeah, um, yeah. I, you know, I, I think that this deck has demonstrated that you know it's going to be part of the format and that it can actually do a lot of different things. You know, the ability to both play Elder Deep Fiend and play Emrakul and have a lot of lands come into play untapped is just really powerful. You know, you see him shifting away from where Owen was in a lot of ways. Um, but this deck is, is, you know, it's a, it's a very, very good deck. I think it's definitely going to be tier one for a while. Uh, what, what, what do you think about, what about Gen Delirium? I mean, do you think that that is, I mean, this, so this was a deck a lot of people noticed, right? Joel Larson finished top 16 with it, uh, at Pro Tour Eldritch Moon. Uh, Robert Santana said, oh, that seems like a good deck. Let me, uh -huh. let me keep an eye on that. Reads an article by Joel on Channel Fireball where Joel's like, hey, here's, Here's what I might do with the deck, and here's how I played the deck, and this is my reasoning behind the cards in the deck. Yep. And it's like, oh, well, that makes a lot of sense. I, you know, I'm not going to play this terrible deck I was going to play now. <laughs> As I fly to my first ever GP, right? He's like, yeah. I want to play a deck that, you know, it's kind of like, this deck's like almost like the poster child for this podcast. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, he's like, I've looked at last week's results. I've studied up on, on what's going on. Oh, this blue-red spells deck is really gaining in popularity. I better make sure that I swap out one of the sideboard cards for Pulse of Marasa so I have a game plan against that deck. <laughs> it's, a, it's a subtle game plan, a single card, but <laughs> well, he, well, he has two copies. He has two copies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, I guess, you know, he feels... He, he, he felt pretty good about it. Like, it, you know, apparently was, was very... Uh, was very successful for him. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a reasonable thing, and one of the flaws in that blue-red deck is that they let you draw into your sideboard cards because they let you draw more cards, right? Right, <laughs> so, right, yeah. yeah. Um, and then, but then Distended Mindbender was just, people were getting mind-bent all over the place with this deck. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, I, I think Distended Mindbender is the card that I have been most excited about in this set, and so it's cool to see it doing really well. Again, he has to play Pilgrim's Eye to turn it on, right? Like, <laughs> this deck plays three Pilgrim's Eyes. Uh, he's, also, he's also got two Nissa Vastwood Seers. Uh -huh, yeah. And th those but, seem to be the cards of choice to turn these cards on, right? Nissa and Pilgrim's right. Eye. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I wonder if we'll ever see Exalted Cultist get, get in there in some of these decks. That's the one that looks at the top three cards and gets a creature? No, no that's the one that just, like, when, when, you, oh. when it dies, draw a card. Uh-huh, just the 2-2? Two -two? Yeah, just two two for three. Just like the worst, it would be like the worst card to ever see play in a uh -huh. <laughs> in a competitive standard environment. Uh, I love those cards. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. You know, they, there are a bunch of cards that seem like they could be there. I I thought we were going to see the um, two three that makes an Eldrazi spawn. Um, it's a black green card that was played in the you know the Reanimator Company decks. Um, okay. Not, not oh, sure, 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 sure. Um, whenever an old a creature dies, you can scry one. Yes. Uh, yes. You know oh, that card. That card seems great. Yeah. You know, it, it puts two creatures into play, and it um, provides a body you can sacrifice while leaving something behind. And if you need one more mana in order to cast your descent of mind better, it also gives you the Eldrazi spawn for that. So, um, I I kind of thought that that card might show up more, um, and maybe it will. Yeah, I mean, we don't have that much time, right? But... <laughs> right, that's true. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's 
clear this deck, you know, won the tournament and a, a player of Yol's caliber advocating for it after playing on the Pro Tour is probably a good sign. Um, and it's also got, like, all these signature cards that are really defining the format right now, right? It's got Traverse the Ovenwald. It's got Liliana. Um, it's got it's, Languish. It's got Languish, Emrakul, um, and it's playing Descended Mindbender, which is a really, really powerful card. It's also got the Grapple of the Past, Vessel of Nascency thing going on, so, um, you know, uh, and it's, it, you know, Robert also has this To the Slaughter technology that we talked about. Right. You know, decks are playing Planeswalkers and Creatures because they need to diversify their card types and because there's great Planeswalkers out there right now. So if you have Delirium, To the Slaughter is going to be a three-mana instant speed two-for-one that takes things off the board. Um, seems right. Like and, and, and even still, at the end of turn three, your opponent can have a Liliana in play and you can force them to sacrifice that. Or they have a Sylvan Advocate in play and you can just force them. You know, you still, it, it's, it, the card is great at various stages of the game. Right, yeah, it's a fine card, and then it's a great card. Um, yeah. yeah. The only thing that would make think, it better is if it said opponent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, so that people can use it against you when, you, when they cast their Emrakuls. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a great point. Yeah. Uh, the thing that thing that's kind of uh, interesting to me, you know, this is Jun Delirium, but the only red in the deck, I mean, obviously you have the Kozilox return, but, like, you wouldn't really count that as being Jund. Right, you know, because that you're really relying on on, on flashing those back. Yeah, um, fiery impulse. Uh huh. Just a three cheap fiery impulse in in the main deck. Yeah, cheap interaction. You know, lots of red. You know, easy ways to get red. Four evolving wild, a cinder glade, uh, four smoldering marsh, uh, and a mountain. So, like, you know, red is pretty available, right? You know, you have like ten red sources in the deck. Right. And that's because Fire Impulse isn't really doing anything unless you can cast it early, right? So it's not a great late-game card. So the point is, he wants to be able to make sure he can use this early to interact with more aggressive decks, to slow down, you know, um, uh, a deck like... Uh, you know, Fire Impulse can be used to kill a Selfless Spirit so that your Kozlux return can be more effective. Um, and then, uh, I think it's also playing the job of killing Pilgrim's Eye. Because you know? if I cast if I cast my Distended Mindbender before you cast yours, I get to take yours out of your hand, right? right. So um, it seems like that's pretty good. It also obviously Kozlux Turn and Fire Impulse both interact really nicely with To the Slaughter. You know, they take out the little guys so the To the Slaughter can hit the big guy. Right, right. Now, so is is the answer to beating this deck simply an adjusting of your game plan against it? Like it's actually just killing the three drop because. Like you said, there's not a lot ahead to get that distended mindbender out. Right? Like obviously you can sack an Ishkanograph widow to it, but like you at least have gotten a chance to develop your board, develop your gameplay, and get your planeswalker into play, do something by the time they get around to casting Ishkana and then casting distended mindbender, right? Like you can sort of protect one half of your hand, maybe. Yep. Yeah, I mean the I think the the challenge with this deck is that you know, you can't play, you can't rely on your selfless spirit to protect you from Kozilek's return because there's also Languish and there's Fiery Impulse. And, you know, the deck doesn't have a ton of things that are trying to beat you actively. It, it's a very, very, like, grind you for a little while and then play big play, plays like Distended Mindbender and Emrakul. Um, so I actually think, even though To the Slaughter is quite good against Planeswalkers, that Planeswalkers are probably 
one of the best ways to attack this deck. Um, they don't have cheap creatures to attack your Planeswalkers, so unless they have to the slaughter, they're not going to have a chance to, um, you know, interact with your Planeswalker early. And then, you know, all their guys that interact are interact really slowly. They're, you know, Distended Mindbender comes into play and waits a turn before it does anything on the board. Right? It might take something out of your hand. So, right. you know, I, I think I think that would be the first thing I would try against a deck like this is fighting it with, with a Planeswalker. Um, and probably that's one of the reasons that, you know, the to the slaughter's there. Um, right. But, if, but, but, you know, on your turn three, I go Pilgrim's Eye, find a land. Your turn three, you know, you have a land come into play tapped. What do you, um, what are you, what are you going to do against this deck? <laughs> well, if I have a, if I'm playing, um, uh, you know, uh, black removal spells in my deck, I'm going to try to kill that creature because if they have the Descendant Mind Render, it's going to end quickly. And if they don't, there's not a lot of other really great uses for a minus four, minus four effect against this deck, right? Like, right. you're not, you know, the best you're going to do is kill it, kill Anissa. So I would definitely use it <laughs> right here. Right. Um, right. You would definitely kill Nissa if it was there, like, regardless of knowing what you're playing against. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, you put the Pilgrim's Eye in the graveyard. Yes, it's two card types, but Creature was a card type they're going to find pretty easily anyway. Right. And um, they're not going to be at Emrakul quite yet. <laughs> so. Right. And, they, I mean, they're, they're not going to, you know, they have a Mind Rack Demon and they have Ishkana, but they're not punishing you super hard for for Delirium. Right. Yeah. You know, like, like these are cards you have to fight anyway, right? Like you're... <laughs> You're, yeah. You know, you, you need to be fighting against Ishkana, against any green deck at this point. Anyway, you need to have a plan, right? Whether it's Languish and a Liliana back with backing it up with a Liliana. But you're not going to get to do that if you don't, if you get Distended mind, Mindbendered. Right. Yeah, you know, I wonder if um, the card that the format needs to adopt a little bit right now is Clash of Wills. Yeah. You know, two mana, it's going to counter people's aggressively played Distended Mindbenders. Um, although I guess they still get the effect of they still get the hand. effect. Yeah, but you know, but you know what? I mean, Clash of Willing, a Pilgrim's Eye seems kind of awesome, actually, though. Yeah, it does. <laughs> you thought your turn was bad, but it's actually a lot worse, right? <laughs> yeah, like like you know, a, a a turn two, your turn two, their turn three, Clash of Wills on either Nissa or Pilgrim's Eye seems fantastic here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and in fact, when 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 Luis was talking about his his Bantless at the pro tour he was saying that he want he kind of wanted to figure out how to get clash of wills main deck right we talked about that last week that that card seems like it would just be really good right now and you know bant has been looking it's always looking for two drops um and you could think of clash as a two drop so that you don't have to worry so much about playing you know um uh, uh as many of the two drop creatures and you can focus on the more powerful three drop creatures right you and you do really set these these Emerge decks back quite a ways. Yep. If you, if you can counter their three drop. Yeah. And again, in this deck, you know, like some of the other decks we talked about, also probably pretty vulnerable to discard, you know? They do have Traverse the Ovenwald so that they can go, you know, find their threats. But there's not a lot of big hitters in the deck. It's like there's seven creatures here that are really powerful. Um, and one of them is a Mind Rack Demon, which is good, but not, you know, not game-ending. And the rest of their deck is like, let's go find our creatures, you know? So if you can keep them off one of their high-impact turns, um, you might be able to win before they can find something. 
I, w- I want to stay in Portland outside of the top eight because a friend of yours finished ninth. He did, yeah. <laughs> Co- Cody Lingelbach, I had a chance to uh, spend some time with him and you um, when you guys were going to Spain. Yeah, uh, absolutely. He, he played this green-blue crush deck. Uh-huh. What, what, what is going on with this deck? <laughs> First of all, he's playing cards. Reed Duke is like, I need to read this card. Uh-huh. He's like, wait a minute, is that Saint Beyond Sight? Hold on a second. Saint yeah. to sleep. What's the pers- – you know – like there, there were some, there were some real readers in here. Oh, absolutely. Um, so you know what happened with this was, you know, Cody works a lot with um, a, a fellow named Brian Weller Gordon, who's qualified for the Pro Tour a number of times. Great, great local player here in Portland. Um, the two of them, you know, play a lot of Moto and play a lot of Standard and are always trying ideas. And they saw this. Someone's shooting staples at you. <laughs> no, um, no staples. No staples happening. Okay. Um, uh, getting a lot of background noise. I can move here. Um, um, so, uh, yeah, Cody and Ryan Willard Gordon saw this deck do well at an SCG that was, um, playing, uh, crush of tentacles and a whole lot of random, random stuff, you know, like weird, weird cards. And you can look at that SCG top eight list. It was the weekend before the pro tour. Um, and, it was a cool list, but it definitely was not very well refined. And they liked the idea of the deck a lot, um, especially after, you know, looking at the Pro Tour decks. And so they started testing it. And one of the first cards that they sort of randomly tried was Send to Sleep. And I got to tell you, I play tested against that deck a lot. And Send to Sleep was crushing. It was so good in that deck. All right, um, hands up right now if you, if you know what Send to Sleep does right off the top of your head. <laughs> well, you know, we'll, we'll tally them up. Um, yeah, it's one U instant tap up to two target creatures, uh, and then spell mastery. If there are two more instant and or sorcery cards in your graveyard, those creatures don't untap during the next controller's next untap steps. Yeah. This is a sweet anti emerald card too. Uh, it's not, unfortunately. Oh, of course not, because it's an instant. Damn it! <laughs> yeah. Stupid instant. I <laughs> know. Oh, I thought that too. Actually, uh, it would be pretty nice because you could tap the emerald and then you know. Um, it wouldn't be there to block your creature so that it, it you know, it attacks into it. Um, the, this deck is really, um, really interesting. Do you, do you have a list in front of you? I do. I have it right in front of me. Four Elvish Visionary, four Den Protector, two Nissa Vastwood Seer, one Ulamog. Uh, that's the creatures, 11 Sorceries, four Crush, three Part the Water Veil, four Nissa's Pilgrimage, four Explosive Vegetation, one Nissa's Renewal, one Sight Beyond Sight, Instant, three Anticipate, three Send to Sleep, Enchantments, two Oath of Nyssa, and then 24 lands. And it's nine hideous white-bordered forests <laughs> and seven gruesome white-bordered islands, uh-huh. four Lumbering Falls, one Blighted Woodland, one Yavamaya Coast, and wait for it, two Skyline Cascade. Skyline Cascade. So you can send those things to sleep, and then you can have them have a trip down the Skyline Cascade. Just keep those creatures out of play for a long time. Uh, yep. Um, so, so what? What is what is this deck good against? Um, this deck is really good against most of the format right now. Um, it's it's great against Vant Company. It's you know like Vant Company is really good at deploying creatures that aren't killing you fast but are gaining card advantage. And this deck says, I don't care about your card advantage. I really don't care. I'm just going to bounce everything back to your hand pretty soon. Um, and I'm going to tap your guys. And this deck is really, really good at reusing things, right? It has um, the Den Protector 
plus crush of tentacles, that's a lock. Right. You can play right. every turn, bounce all the permanents, including my den protector, with crush of tentacles, make an eight eight, and the next turn I can do it all again because this deck gets a ton of mana into play as well. You know, um, it has a ton of cards that search for basics and put them into play. Um, so you know, generally what happens with this deck is it sort of goofs around and just builds up resources, stops you from killing it by chump blocking with um, Elvish Visionaries and by tapping your creatures to send to sleep, and then it bounces all the permanents. And you think, oh, well, no big deal. I'll just replay my creatures. And then the deck plays a couple more lands and bounces all the permanents again. Or, you know, you have to deal with an 8-8 while you're redeploying your, your pieces. Um, and then, you know... Or you deploy two pieces and it sends them to sleep, get in for 8. Yep. Yeah. So it's really, really good against decks that can't play multiple spells in a turn. Um, which, you know, kind of describes Bant Company, right? A deck full of three drops has trouble playing more than one or two spells in a, in a given turn, um, even as early, as late in the game as turn six or seven. So um, it's great against Bant Company, and a little bit um, vulnerable to negates out of the sideboard. Um, okay. Uh, and it's actually quite good against all the Emrakul decks, too, because Crush Tentacles isn't a targeted effect, right? It has that effect where you say, like, well... Um, you know, you play Emrakul, and if my hand is Crush of Tentacles, I'll play Crush of Tentacles, and that'll bounce your Emrakul, and you'll be able to play it again, but you won't be able to attack with it. And I get a turn in the interim to um, do whatever I need to do. You know, I can, and, and the deck plays three um, Part the Water Veil, which is an incredible card, right? It's take an extra turn after this one. Also not targeted, right? You know, Emrakul can't say anything about that happening. Um, so... You play Emrakul and, you know, Crush of Tentacles bounces it and then maybe a Den Protector brings back the Crush of Tentacles. And, you know, there are these really interesting games. I'm sure you saw some on camera where... We did. Yeah, <laughs> Emrakul versus Crush is actually kind of a weird stalemate. Yeah. Um, and, th and then the Awakened Six on part the Water Veil came into play a lot. Yeah. Super powerful. Right. Si make a 6-6 six, six and attack with it and then take another turn. Um, right. Yeah. And the important thing about Crush of Tentacles is it returns all non-land permanents to their owner's hand. <laughs> right. So if you so if you get those six, if you get the, I, I almost felt like I wanted to see a uh, scattered to the winds or something like that in the deck. Like one more way to get to animate uh, a creature. An awake, yeah, to animate a land. Yeah. Yep. But, but also four Lumbering Falls, huge in this deck. Mm -hmm. uh, and even like saw multiple situations where Cody would get those six counters on Lumbering Falls. Right. And then just attack with it as a 6-6. Six, six, and if his opponent did anything, he could animate Lumbering Falls in response. Yep. And makes give it, it hexproof. Yep. Makes it hexproof and a 9-9. Nine, nine. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and a 9-9. Nine, nine. Yeah. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah. Actually, that's a subtle thing that people don't realize about animating those creature lands is that they stay creatures, but you can still activate them as a bonus. It sort of changes the way the ability works. I, I have a lot of people that I play against who, you know, they sort of seem to not realize that. They always animate it before they attack with it, even when it's the counters <laughs> on it. It's like, well, you could, you know, you could wait and see what I do here, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, really, really cool deck. And, um, you know, Brian Weller-Gordon played it as well, did not do as well with it. And a couple other folks here in Portland really liked the list um, and maybe had less repetitions with the deck. Um, but uh, Cody finished X2-1, and one, I believe, and was yeah, in, in ninth place. Um and I think the deck is really powerful and really worth 
a try if you're into that kind of thing. Um, it's a little bit it's it's a little bit like a classic turbo fog deck, right? You just say, yeah. I'm changing the rules of how magic works here. This isn't about who has more cards or more creatures, right? It's just about who can do more things with their mana well, in a single turn. <laughs> I was just going to say, it kind of becomes about who has the most mana. Yep, right. And this deck is equipped to be ahead on that particular metric. Although, oh, yeah. There were games where he had like 15 or 16 lands in play. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing that this deck is really good against is Planeswalkers. It just really doesn't care very much about Planeswalkers. Um, I think probably a, um, uh, you know, a planeswalker that's also a five, five creature is a, is a little bit scarier, but the deck doesn't, you know, it, it's also very resilient, surprisingly to discard effects because, um, it's really good at buying time and just drawing more of its cards. And you take all of the land out of the deck so quickly, um, with all of the search effects that, you know, you draw a lot of action, um, and you can, you know, leverage den protectors to reuse spells as well so fascinating yeah no the deck seems super sweet seemed like a somewhat exhausting deck to play over a 15 round tournament uh yeah <laughs> it does seem like that you know you don't have any cheap wins with this deck no no there was uh david stroud who um is a former grand prix winner uh played the deck as well and he said you know he, he had a match where his opponent just kept a bad hand and did nothing for the first eight turns of the game and was just d discarding, but he couldn't beat him. He couldn't win. <laughs> he was just sitting there waiting around to get some way to win the game. And he eventually won the game, but he was so like, oh, this, is, this isn't how it should be. Uh, and he ended up uh, picking up some early losses and dropping before he was eliminated just because he couldn't imagine playing the, the deck that much. <laughs> so, so, if some so, so if some enterprising magic player kind of plums below the depths of the top eight and, and sees this and starts playing it, like how do you how do you beat this deck? Well, um, I play tested against it with um, some very cheap creature decks, and this deck is slow to get going. So you can beat it fast. You know, if you get a quick offense out, um, humans sort of crushes it. Um, I. I Played to the thing. I played eight games against it and won all eight. Um, so uh, that's a, definitely a vulnerability for the deck. Um, and the other thing that you know, I think you know, folks who were prepared for um, some of these uh, decks were playing some invasive surgeries, um, and that's oh, that very, seems... very good against the deck because it relies on two super powerful sorceries to win the game. So you know, negate invasive surgery even more so. Um, really, really good at fighting a deck like this. So yeah, if you have access to negates, that seems seems great. I, mean, I, I think even Clash of Wills is probably pretty good against this deck, right? Yeah, what you want to do, because there's a point in the game where your deck probably can't catch up. Um, some of the decks that play Emrakul can still keep up after the deck sort of gets going, but most decks, you know, Bant Company, once they start, you know, casting Crush of Tentacles every turn or every other turn, you're not going to catch up. So what you need to do is stop their first one. Right. Right. So the well-placed negate or invasive surgery is the best way to beat a deck like this. Yeah, I, f I feel like the deck I, I would want to play this weekend would be Bent Company with Clash of Wells. Main, possibly. Oh yeah, I like that idea a lot. And you know, since the other Bent Companies sort of telegraph when they're going to do cast their own collected companies, you could probably catch them um, there quite a bit as well. Yeah, and you and you could also you can also represent like. I mean, there's already that little dance of like, okay, well, I'm going to collected company, and then I'm going to collected company, and hope to hit spell queller for your collected company. Right. But you could actually give people now a window. 
uh-huh. that's not for where they're like, okay, well maybe it's safe to do this and get them, get them you know, with the, uh, main deck clash with the classroom. Yeah. It seems, it seems like a sweet card right now. And it's, it seems like it, you know, people are on these, I, I guess the, the, the takeaway I'm having from this discussion as we look through these decks is that everybody has this like kind of real clear sequence that they want their deck to deploy in. Uh huh. You know, like we yep. talked about that Pilgrim's Eye into Distended Mind Manor. Yeah. Or, you know, we talk about the, the Bant decks wanted to go two, three into company. some sort of some sort of spell on turn four, which could be collected company, could be spell quell or whatever. Yeah. But like, you know, there's this there's this very clear like almost like people just get into this muscle memory of how their games are playing. And, and Clash is really this card that lets you, you know, and it's and it's and it's right and it always slots right in on mana, right? Oh yeah, it's a really really convenient card to play if you can make your mana work. So I think that's the other thing is the deck that's most likely to play this would be like um, the black white control deck shifting over to play blue as well. Um, oh, interesting. Right, and that's the place it most naturally fits. And I'm not sure that that's the place that um, is the best fit for it in the format right now. Right, having Bant Company seems like a really good spot for it. Um, but you think it, you think it's tough to have to really reliably have that blue? Yeah, I think when you, once you get a three color deck, then it's harder to do that thing where you leave up a little bit of mana every now and then so you can clash people, right? Because you need at least two, so you need to have turn two. You need to leave your mana up without being obvious about it, you know? Uh, <laughs> if you know well, what I mean. but you you but you might be willing to go two three and then play another two on turn four. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Um, you could you could do that, but I just think that you know the man is a lot better with the cross color decks, the wedges versus sure. the all allied color. So, um, so you'd I, start looking at an Esper deck. Uh, I would say Esper wants it, but is the one that that I, I actually wouldn't wouldn't do it. And I would I would try to find something else that could play it. I would say um, Sultai or um, you know Teamer could do it certainly. And maybe there still is a Spirit deck out there. It hasn't shown up, right? Like we haven't. I, I can't imagine that. I, I mean, I've talked to multiple people who said, "Oh, we make spirits work now by playing uh, Anafenza," you uh-huh. know, so that yeah. they so they get to put. But it just feels like that that deck has so many draws that are just so just like Clunky. wet paper towel to a Liliana. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you I, know, although although you do get the opportunity to go turn to uh, do something, you know, play a guy. You know, pass. They go turn two on your turn three. You attack on their turn. They play Liliana. They plus it to kill yours, and then you rattle chains. <laughs> right, <laughs> and yep. then and then you attack their Liliana for four, which seems like it should never happen. Uh, yeah, it should probably never happen. Um, but rattle chains is a good card, you know, yeah. in that deck. <laughs> but yeah, I think the the thing that that deck suffers from is that it just doesn't have enough haymakers, you know. Um, it's a lot of really cool utility creatures that just aren't quite enough together. It needs another good one drop um, to be the deck that it is, that, that it's trying to be. Um, but you could see a deck like that, and I think that's why Bant Company is the natural fit, right? It's because that's the closest thing to sort of an aggressive deck that can play Clash. Um, so, yeah. all right, we, we, talk, we talked about Portland, but we, we, we need to talk about Ramini really quick. And, and we can do the <laughs> Ramini Top 8 really quick. Yep. We don't really need to talk about Bant too much. <laughs> no. uh, you know, there's six of them, and you can sort of choose 
your version, although it's worth noting that Shoti Asoka's version of Bat Company had a main deck Elder Deep Fiend. Oh, yeah. That's right. Nice. One, and three Jace. Uh-huh, so you could find it. <laughs> yeah, and one only one Selfless Spirit. Right. Um, so it's kind of, his is kind of an interesting list to look at if you're looking at, you know, I don't know, how a Hall of Famer approaches Bat Company, like, you know, in the wake of Luis, the Hall of Famer, playing Bat Company. Yep. Uh, but the, the deck that really, the only other deck that, that, that broke out there was the Blue Red Fever Burn deck that we talked about last week and that everyone was talking about this, uh-huh. you know, dr- throughout the week. Uh, you know, put two people into the top eight, including Pro Tour champion Lucas Blohan. Yeah, remember, he's having a rough couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you have to love that he won the biggest tournament and then completely changed the deck he was playing, right? I mean, completely. I mean, he's playing... Not even there's no overlap. He's got to play a green deck next week so he can go full Wooper. <laughs> yeah, there's not even any evolving wilds in this deck so that he could have one card that's the same, right? Like it's literally <laughs> like 100% 75 different cards. Yeah. Um, uh, and what I what I like about this, what what he did with the deck from from last week to this week is the thing in the ice, which I think is a card a lot of people were kind of disappointed with when they were testing the deck during the week. Yep. Became Storm Chaser Mage. Yeah, really cool. Um, really cool card. It, 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 it's like the Thermo Alchemist, I think, really impressed. And the recognition here is like, this is kind of like a Thermo Alchemist, right? It's three toughness, so it can play some defense if you need it to, but it also just starts like damaging your opponent evasively and damaging them more if you play spells, which is exactly what you're doing. So, um, yeah. Yeah, really... four, four, four Storm Chaser Mage, four Thermo Alchemist are your only creatures, yep. four Fevered Visions. Four Tormenting Voice, four Collective Defiance, four Incendiary Flow, two Exquisite Firecraft, four Fire Impulse, four Fire Temper, and two Lightning Axe. Yep. Like, this deck is just clean, too. Yeah, super clean. The only non-fours in the spells are those two Exquisite Firecrafts and two Lightning Axes. Um, and then, you know, the land is... He's got four Wandering Fumaroles and more Mountains than Islands. It's nine and three. Then the four Shivan Reefs, which is natural. Three Highland Lake, just because, you know, it's going to produce the mana. And then the Gyre Reach Sanitarium is an interesting choice. Um, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense. The deck um, has a lot of cheap spells, and so it could probably land flood more than most decks. So sure. having one of these is, you know, a handy thing to have around if you can't find a Fever Visions so that you can get to those burn spells and finish the game. Right. It also lets you maybe get rid of a card that you don't want your opponent to have with Emrakul. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, hopefully this deck isn't facing a whole lot of Emrakuls, right? It should yeah. be ending the game sooner than that, but um, I guess there's always those those times. Um, so, so this deck feels like if you want to beat this deck, you just play one of the other six decks in the top eight of GP, <laughs> right? This deck feels pretty soft to Bank Company. Right, especially if they're playing uh, Dramok's Command, right? Uh, yeah, you just have four Fever Visions, and you really need that deck to win. Yeah, you need it. You really need that card to win, I should say. Yeah, the... the, the the problem you get into, and I watched, you know, some uh, uh, one of the top tables, one of these blue red fevered burn decks, actually playing against um, humans, which seems like it would be a really good matchup. You know, you can um, just burn the little guys and then take your time picking them away. But it, the deck could just never start burning the opponent because it was too busy playing defense with its spells. And I think that's the same thing that will happen against Bant Company. They deploy creatures so fast, and you spend all your time just like picking them off. Um, that you don't have time to start killing your opponent. Um, so 
that and the fact that Dromoka's command says, you know, counter target spell because it's preventing all damage from a, from a spell or sacrifice a fever visions or both <laughs> or take out a thermal alchemist or a storm chaser mage, you know, while doing one of those other things. It's just really, really good against this deck. Um, so, and then we also, and we think this deck though is good against the black, white planeswalker decks. Yeah, I think it has to be, um, your spells are so efficient and you strand so much of their, um, you know, their removal. They have like three mana destroy target planeswalker or creature. And although you do have some creatures here, um, they demand immediate attention. And if you, even if they die after a couple of turns, they do a little bit of work for you. The storm chaser mage with haste. I mean, that's great. They tap out to play a planeswalker. You ignore the planeswalker, you cast your storm chaser, you burn them. Storm chaser hits for a little more. And now they have to spend time working to kill that storm chaser while you just keep pointing burn at their face. So um, it seems like a pretty ugly matchup for those, those decks. So, so, so what's our, what's our conclusion here as we go into the, the coming weekend? You know, there are, there are easily seven decks, eight decks that we've talked about. Yep. Uh, you know, team emerge, Jund emerge, black, white planeswalkers, blue, red fever, burn bank company, you know, cat packed, uh, <laughs> you know, what, what's, what, what do you, what, what is the deck that has the most play against all of these decks? Um, well, I mean, I think any deck that can search its library is a deck that's really, really good. Um, I think it's one of the reasons that Bant Company has been good is because Collected Company is sort of a search your library card. Let's go find the most important spell. Um, so, I mean, I would try to be trying to play the card Traverse the Open Wald. Um, you know, there are really, really powerful creatures that people are playing in their decks. Um, I would look for a deck that played that card. And I would try to find the deck that's most, uh, you know, a style that I think is going to work for me and plays that card. So, um, you know, decide, are you an Elder Deep Fiend player or are you a, um, uh, what's Distended the mind Distended better? Mind better player? Um, and, and build a deck with one of those cards in it. Um, I think I'm a mind bender. I, I, I could even, I could even see myself going to more than the two that we we've seen. Oh, me too. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's possible that when testing with that, you'll find that it's a little too many um, in some matchups and that that feels really bad. But I would rather be sideboarding them out than not having enough all three right. games. Right. And, and again, if you can stick it on turn four, it's just so brutal. It's so big. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that the Fevered Visions deck um, is one that people will learn how to beat. Um, I still think there's a home for Red Burn. There's a lot of good Red Burn in the format, but I don't think it's quite this deck. So, you know, Fevered Vision's also a really easy deck to attack. Um, I, I heard the suggestion of the card Peace of Mind. Oh, people were playing that right. in Rimini. Uh -huh. right? it, was, it was enough of a card. People, there was a lot of... So we talked last week about uh, Learn from the Path, and that was also a big card in Rimini. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, both both that and 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 uh, days undoing, yeah, and days undoing, which we saw here. And then I even talked to someone on day one of the pro tour who was playing uh, Hedonist Trove. Oh yeah, <laughs> just two mana artifact, just reshuffle. No, no Hedonist Trove, seven mana enchantment. Oh, five BB exile target player's graveyard. You may 
play a land from their graveyard each turn, from their exile each turn, and you can play a one spell from their exile each turn. Whoa. That seems like an awesome sideboard card from Mirror, <laughs> right? That just seems crazy. Yeah, so I, I tweeted about it, and a couple of players who were on Pro Tour team said that they had, they had considered the card, but felt like it was better to just play their own Emrakul. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well. But I still, but I still feel like you know, deck. You know, if you, you know, you're someone's working very hard to do something, and you then just you know nuke them back to the Stone Age. Yeah. It seems really powerful. And, and still get to do what you want to do and maybe do some of what they were trying to do too. <laughs> right. Well, I think it's a sign. <laughs> it's a sign of, you know, the Emrakul decks showed up and everyone was like, whoa, you know, they did really well with the Pro Tour, but now people have learned to fight them a little bit. So the dedicated Emrakul strategy is not quite as dominant. Um, and I think that that's a sign of people adapting to the format. And I think we have at least another couple of weeks of people learning how these new decks work. And it's possible that Bant Company is performing well in part just because people know how to play it so well. Sure. You know? Like it's de- definitely a tier one deck still, but part of the thing is that people are just comfortable with it. Whereas, you know, trying to figure out exactly how to operate um, these decks with multiple tutor effects, 16 different cards you can choose to have to fill your graveyard, right? And figuring out what the balance is for those. Um, and then just figuring out how to, to optimize your deck and how to fight against what other people are doing. Um, so if... I were playing this week, I would choose one of those new decks. Um, partly because this weekend there's one big, there's an invitational, an SCG invitational, I think, but no other really big standard tournaments. So a good week to get out there and try the new deck um, and learn how it's working um, versus just playing Bant Company again. But if you really want to win this week, I still think Bant Company is a great choice. I, I I like Gen Delirium a lot, and I think despite the fact that it won a GP, I feel like a lot of people are going to sleep on it and are going to be sort of dazzled by the six Bant Companies in yep. uh, in Rimini. Yep. Yeah. Uh, by the way, another big sideboard card from this weekend that people were talking about, and it was the card that uh, <laughs> it was a card that a lot of people were worried about was Orb of Orbs of Warding. Uh huh. Orbs of Warding, which is a five-mana artifact, you have Hexproof. Uh-huh. Uh, if a creature would deal damage to you, prevent one of that damage. But mostly that it's great against the blue-red spells deck. Yeah, it just locks them out. And it, it is really a pain in the ass for the Cat Pack deck. <laughs> it sort of, sort of is an incidental. It actually just shuts off lines of Demonic Pack. Oh, yeah. Which, you know, the effect there is that you immediately start after choosing to lose the game, right? You can't, yeah, you get, you get closer to it, for sure. You can't offering, right? Because you can't target the opponent? Uh, oh, yeah. Tar- target opponent gains control. You can't even do that. Right. So you can't give them the pact, and you can't choose some of the modes on the pact, so you're going to very quickly right. have to lose the game, yeah. Right. You, super, can't make them, you can't make them discard two cards, and if they don't have a creature in play, you can't target them with the, with the first line. Yeah, with the first so, so it's like all sorts of weird stuff starts to happen. You yeah. like get to draw two, draw two cards and then you lose the game. So just um, kind of a funny card to keep an eye on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, fortunately for, um, you know, Free Kittens, they already play Disperse. <laughs> right. So right. They, have a, they have a couple of uh, outs at least. But um, yeah. Yeah, I All think right. that's the that's the that's the plan this weekend. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to be, I know that I'm going to be on Magic Line all weekend, uh, and I'm going to be doing a lot of Gen Delirium stuff and playing around with maybe with some of the numbers in the deck a little bit. Might send Joel Larson a couple of messages <laughs> and try to, try to, try to get his take on it here, uh, going into sort of week three. Yeah, try to the Pro Tour. See how many Descended Mind betters you can talk him into. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Or I, can, I, I also want to see if there's just, I'd love to see if there's some sort of Saltai version of the deck that's just uh, doing Mindbenders and Deep, deep Fiends. fiends. Yeah, yeah. Just the all-in version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like <laughs> six, you know, like some mix of the, of the, of the, of the two. But, yeah. Uh, so, Gabe, tell people where, where they can uh, find you uh, on social media. Uh, you can find me on the Twitter. That's probably the best place. And I'm at uncle underscore GCB. Uh, I'm at Top 8 Games. Uh, and, uh, you know, this is Top 8 Magic Decks to Beat. It's week two. Uh, we're, we're continuing to, to tinker with this. And, you know, well, as we get a little further away from the newness of Standard, we'll talk about some other formats. We'd love to hear what you want to hear about. Yeah, um, the um, you know the last round of World Magic Cup qualifiers is coming up, and I believe those are modern, so we probably have to touch on that a little bit. We, we might have to have Michael J on as a guest. He just won a modern PPTQ. Did he? He did, playing uh, Naya Byrne. Um, that sounds awesome. Yeah, he finished ninth on Saturday and won, and then won it the next day on Sunday. Um, well, uh, that, that sounds great, and I can't wait to talk about um, some other, uh, there's some very exciting stuff that happened in modern actually recently. So that should be good. All right. Cool. Uh, so Gabe, talk to you next week. This has been fun. And Excellent. until then, you know, you know, de- definitely send us some more feedback and some more ideas about how we can beat the decks. We all want to beat. See you soon. <laughs>